This episode of the Data Center Podcast is brought to you by Data Center World, the global conference for data center facilities and IT professionals. Join industry colleagues in San Antonio from March 12th to March 15th, 2018 to discover solutions to real-world data center problems. Learn more at datacenterworld.com. Again, that's datacenterworld.com. Hello, everybody. This is the Data Center Podcast. We have with us today Ravi Pendikanti. He's a senior VP of Server Solutions, Product Management, and Product Marketing at, uh, at Dell EMC. Ravi, thank you very much for coming by. Thank you, Evgeny, for having me here. Um, Ravi's been there for about three and a half years, is that correct? Absolutely. And before that, he was senior marketing product roles at uh, Sun Microsystems, SGI, Juniper, Oracle, in other words, he knows the enterprise data center hardware market inside and out. And that's why we have him here. Well, I certainly have lots of burn finger syndrome here. <laughs> Learned quite a bit through the journey. So it's certainly be glad to talk to you. Okay, okay. great. Thank you so much. So let's start with the sad news from Gartner. Um, sad, that there's been ongoing sad news that the server market is slowly shrinking. Um, the first quarter saw a 4.5% decline year over year, according to them. Um, Asia-Pacific grew while the rest of the world uh, shrunk, and Gartner blames it on the cloud. Hyperscale data center segment is growing, um, enterprise and SMB not growing, virtualization, um, cloud workloads, in other words, um, enterprises, SMBs shifting workloads to the cloud. Um, Dell EMC is the only major server ma uh, vendor that saw some growth in Q1. Um, so what does Dell know that HP and Cisco do not? Uh, first and foremost, it's true that uh, you know we did grow as compared to the market, um, and I probably will take a contrarian view on where the market is headed. It's it's you're absolutely right that the market dynamics are shifting in terms of the service space, um, and so I'd like to address both of them maybe. So first and foremost, if you talk at the look at the overall server business, uh, it, it has changed quite a bit. I mean, I'd like to take a a point in time, for example, if you go back 10 years ago, you know, it was about a $50 billion market, the server business. And if you look at where we are today, it's probably about just the same. But in the meanwhile, uh, the thing that has really happened is the market shifted from proprietary hardware, such as the RISC systems, to x86. If you look at the RISC business, it's about 13, 14 billion, let's say, approximately. Uh, again, about a dozen years ago, whereas today it's probably about three or four billion. So what's happened in the mix in the meanwhile is lots of momentum has changed towards x86, which is more as an open platform or open APIs that are being provided through x86. And I do think as things consolidate, as things are happening today, uh, to your point in the industry wherein you know, a lot of motion to cloud, uh, there is lots of shift in how SMBs you know, look at businesses going forward and how they want to run their business, we think a couple of things are going to happen. First and foremost, um, number one, you will see edge taking off. We think edge is going to take off in the near term over the next, uh, let's say, a couple of years. Uh, this is where we see a motion. If you really think about it, we were in a centralized environment with the mainframes with, you know, dumb terminals attached to it. Then we went to a client-server model, which was a distributed model. Then over the last seven or eight years, lots of motion towards cloud, which one could argue was a, was a 
more of a centralized model. But we think we are now back into a motion where we're going to go with the distributed model with edge taking off. What that means is you have to have more of the servers at the edge than we ever had, right? The second thing that's also going to happen is as more data is being collected, instead of having the data move towards the compute side, compute is going to move towards where the storage is. And that again goes back to the comment I was making on earlier, which is the edge. So to your question, as the market moves in this particular direction, and as we move towards, let's say, a non-proprietary networking world, wherein today most of the networking uh, dominant forces are based on proprietary hardware, but as you see a shift towards standards-based networking um, you know, offerings, you will see x86 take off again, which essentially means it's going to be you know, x86 server-centric again, which means that the market has to shift and it'll change again where it'll grow. And uh, so those are the things that are happening in the market and where we think it's kind of in a motion where the market should be growing back again. Mm -hmm. We have always been keeping an eye on the market, which is where, to your point, we were uh, one of the very few vendors who actually grew in the market per the analyst reports you yeah. just quoted. So, so what, are, what are your thoughts on why you guys grew in Q1 and others didn't? I think we are, we are customer-centric. We are not looking at purely providing servers which are based on certain processors and we don't go down the path of feeds and speeds. We have changed the way we look at it from the perspective of workloads because it's workloads that really matter for the customer. I mean, any vendor out there can choose to go ahead and bring the latest processor from any of your, you know, uh, or, you know any of the manufacturers out there and plug it in. Anybody can go to Intel, bring a processor on board, plug it in, and they can choose to have a, a server. But we think it's important to look at the fact that the new workloads are coming of age. So when we look at the workloads of today, which are far different than the workloads of the past, I think that's really what's helping our customers come to us. And we went down three important pivots when we came down uh, the, the 14G, which is our most recent uh, launch, for example which was to do with uh, having what we call as intelligent automation. We talked about scalability. We also talked about, or rather we talked about scalable business architecture. And the third thing was all about integrated security. We never talk, if you think about it, in this particular spectrum, we never talk about the processors, we never talk about memory technologies, though they become the, the supplement of things that these things stand on, we went completely a different route in talking to what the customer really needs to map to their business needs. And, and I think that's helping us. And that's different from a conversation Dell was having with customers before? I would think yes, it yeah. is It is a, it's a big shift than what we were doing in the past. I see. It is a big shift, and this is where we always talk about uh, you know, customer-centric innovation. Right? And, and I would actually submit this too. If you really go back in time, when we started down the server journey, you know, it's over, let's say, a little over 21 years ago, we were number seven, right? And we have always been sharpening our pencils on what we do, which is have big ears and listen to what the customers want. And through the journey, you'll see we have been consistently staying on top of that particular track. And 
And that is really what's been helping us get to number one. And that didn't happen by happen chance. We've been working through this for the last number of years. And that's essentially, again, where we are today mm -hmm. with that motion. Go look at any of the other folks in the industry. A lot of competitors out there were having, you know, their two feet on two different uh, boats, if you may imagine this. One was down the risk channel and the other one was in x86. You can't balance for too long. And go back and look at the same set of vendors today and see how many of them have moved away from having a dual architectural strategy to one which is based on open standards. And we as Dell EMC have consistently said open is what we believe in and that's really stood the test of time. And as we did this, we said it's not just about feeds and speeds, it's about making sure that we are focused on specific workloads and that's the second thing that's happened in the process. I see. And um, what's going on in Asia? Why is, so all, the, all of the major markets, um, the server market shrunk except for Asia. Uh, what's, what do you see in Asia? What's driving the demand? If you really peel the, peel the onion there, there are two things I think you'll see in Asia. Number one, if you look at Asia, one of the biggest growth engines is coming from China. Barna in China is the biggest growth engine in, in uh, Asia. So next to US, China has become the number two market for servers. Right? So they continue to uh, fuel infrastructure development. And beyond that, if you look at uh, BRICS, the Brazil, India, you know, Russia, China, South Africa, you'll see, I just talked about China, India is sitting right there. So that's those two big powerhouses per se are helping us grow in Asia quite significantly. Dell shipped close to 470,000 servers in Q1, according to Gartner. What portion of that total went to hyperscale data centers and what portion went to enterprises, what portion went to SMBs? Can you kind of provide an overview of how that breaks down? We probably, you know, I probably can't give you very specific and precise numbers as we don't share those details. But what I could do is give you a directional sense in terms to say that uh, if you start looking at bulk of the business, still is in the enterprise and SMB business. Let me put it that way. That's where most of the business still remains. And is, is the bulk like over 50%? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely over 50%. And, and we still see that. And the reason we see that, Evgeny, is for two reasons. Number one, there are still customers who are not comfortable moving everything to cloud. And you probably are very well aware of this, that no two clouds are the same. Uh, there, are, there are restrictions on what you can put in the cloud. There are security concerns, there are latency issues that continue to go ahead and uh, provide our customers the option of choosing to still not move to the cloud completely. So given that, there's a big chunk of enterprise and SMBs who still want to have their own uh, ownership, if I may, on their servers. Now, having said that, the the cloud, the hyper, uh, you know, that's that's on hyper growth, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, but this is where I think it becomes interesting that most customers we are talking to today are looking at a dual prong strategy, wherein they want to have things out in the cloud, they want to have things on on premise per se. I mean, if you go, for example, look at uh, like Germany, for example. I mean, a lot of regulations on 
what you can have on the cloud and what you can you know send outside the domains of your uh, of your country i mean there are regulations and other things that also play an important role so my point being that it's just not technology when we talk about security or latency that is uh, you know putting a bit of a challenge for customers to move to the cloud directly and at the same time there are also regulatory elements brought about by um, the different rules of the land that also do hold back from moving to the cloud completely. So given the balance, uh, we, do, we still see lots of our customers focused on, on having their own hardware infrastructure in-house. Mm -hmm. And um, how do you guys, I'm just curious, how do you guys define hyperscale? Any companies other than Amazon, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Tencent, Alibaba, Baidu? You gave a, f a, a perfect <laughs> list. I mean, those were, I mean, you talked about... That's hyperscale. That's, you guys that's hyperscale. Would you consider Oracle, IBM? Um, not at this juncture. No. Not at this juncture. Not at this juncture. But our definition lines up very well with what I think the rest of the industry looks at today. Uh, so that's where we are. Okay. Now, having said that, this is, this is the beauty of the, of the, of the uh, market we are in today which is, you know, the only constant is change. Let me repeat, the only constant is change. And as we see more of the tier twos and tier threes come in, we probably will see a shifting of sands. And we might have others that we will put into that particular category, uh, which, we are, uh, which we are not at today. Yeah, Oracle appears to be shifting high gear. They are, I mean, we are watching them and obviously we see that they're shifting quite a bit. If you go back, you know, 10 years ago, on what their perceptions of cloud were. This is a classic example of how over the last few years they moved significantly to cloud. This goes back to the point, the only constant is change. So let's talk about those new new workloads or emerging yeah. workloads, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, Edge, you mentioned a major potential source of growth for you guys. Um, what are Dell EMC's expectations in that market? Um, and what's your Edge data center play? Sure. I mean. We do think Edge is, is, quite, is a, an important area of focus for us. Um, I mean, if you, you know, there's not a, a day that any of us don't read articles on autonomous vehicles, for example, right? And, uh, and think about it. I mean, autonomous vehicles, in our view, are, are prime for edge computing, wherein some people would call it, you know, a data center on wheels, wherein you now have the processing, you need to have the processing capability right on your vehicle without having to pump data out to, let's say, a cloud and get the processing done because you wouldn't have the ability to uh, wait for you know, seconds or even milliseconds. You probably need to do decision-making in terms of nanoseconds. And that means now you have to have the processing capability on board on your, on your vehicle. Or you know, people talk about drones technology taking off. And, and again, you probably want to have processing capability right there. And if you look at intelligent buildings, as more people want to have a better you know, control on, on the usage of electricity in a building, there's smart buildings coming out. You don't want to make decisions um, which take time. Let's say it's, it's dark in the night and somebody walks into the conference room I mean, and they want to have the lights come on. They don't want to wait right. for processing to be shipped somewhere else. So you're talking about the very edge, the end the nodes. The very edge, yeah. yes. So does, computing, does that computing power on board uh, of autonomous 
vehicles, on drones. Does that also mm -hmm. fall um, under your unit scope? Yes, it and does. absolutely, because end of the day, it's becoming compute-centric. I know folks who look at data, they talk about data-centric environment, absolutely right. But the thing is, data for the sake of data has absolutely no value, right? right? Yeah. What does it mean if I have 10, 10 petabytes or 100 petabytes, if you really can't get information out of it? So data has to be converted into information, right. and that's where the compute yeah. side comes in, yeah. right? So you can collect all the petabytes of data you want, and it is said today that you know, most of the research shows that less than 2% of the data is being analyzed. So if you want to really do the analysis, you need to have a compute engine. Right. And you can't choose to have a compute engine sitting in a central place. You probably want to have it spread around different areas. So there is, there is edge in that sense yes. um, on the car, on the yes. drone, in the building. Yes. There's also edge kind of these micro aggregation points, I guess, or micro data centers uh, that lots of companies are talking about, um, putting them in around busy cities, putting them um, near cell towers where they can aggregate information and process, do some processing mm -hmm. there. Uh, do you guys, um, are you looking at that as well? Yes, absolutely. For us, okay. we want to be the compute engine. And that's the reason I deliberately use the concept of compute engine, because server might mean so many things to different people. But if I start looking at it as a compute engine, right, then it opens up a whole new set of opportunities for us, right? And, and, and this is where I'll also marry in a different concept, which is machine learning and deep learning. So people talk about machine learning and deep learning. This goes back to a different workload, which is beyond edge. But think of a world where you can bring those two things together, wherein you're able to collect data at the edge, do all your stuff, and then you have some kind of machine learning or deep learning go on. If you build those, merge those two, I think you know, interesting things begin to happen. Interesting things wherein you might not have realized, um, let's, let's take an example. Let's say you, know, you have uh, video cameras in your airports, right? So you have video cameras at airports, and you could talk about these as you know, IoT, right? Uh, Internet of Things, collecting all kinds of data, you know, streaming the stuff back. And then instead of waiting for you know, some analysis to happen on, on a person of interest that's just walked in, if you have the intelligence right there to do some kind of machine learning, deep learning, you know, do um, pattern matching and stuff, you can probably act on some of the data that needs to be acted on right then and not lose you know, seconds of data, seconds of time, because by then the person of interest might probably be off. My point is, now you're seeing the confluence of things like edge and machine learning, deep learning come together, for example. Yeah, so how does, how does your expectation of what the edge market will be play out in terms of um, your server product strategy, uh, server design, what, how does that affect the decision making there? This is the way we are looking at it. For example, if we look at uh, edge on the computes, I mean edge or machine learning, we have actually looked at them as two independent entities, right? And our modeling, we are trying to bring those two together. And we think, for example, I mean, uh, pick your favorite analyst. Everyone has a number because it's still very much an evolving market. Uh, it's not that it's a mature market such as, 
you know, if you look at HPC, you know, people think it's more mature than Edge or, uh, or, uh, or machine learning, for example. When we look at these, each of these markets as a standalone, you know, we think on the compute side, it's, it's about six to eight mil billion dollars of market, approximately, right? Now, when we start putting these two together, that's when we are looking at what kind of feature functionality would, need, would be needed, and that's how we build our portfolio. Uh, our portfolio is built on looking at the different markets. Again, it's, it's always customer-centric. We look at the workloads. We start looking at feature functionality that's needed to be successful in these markets, and that's how we build our portfolio. And the portfolio is done in multiple steps. It's based on, obviously, you know, the com different components that go into your server, to your question. But then beyond that, we also have to look at uh, you know, making sure we have the right partners, both as software and system integrators and stuff. And that's how we build our strategy going forward, making sure that we have an amalgamation of all these various components. I see. So, yeah, so looking... Um, Would that help? Take, yeah, it does. Taking more of a, a full solution. Here. We do, because I, I, in a lot of times, we can look at one piece and miss the other pieces. And that's the biggest concern, uh, at least I have, is that if we start looking at one particular viewpoint, we might miss the bigger picture. I mean, we just talked about HPC as an example. HPC, as we know it, we think has changed dramatically over the last few years. HPC was more in the academia where we were doing some number crunching and stuff. But today, HPC, we think, has taken a different route where it's playing a predominant role in very critical industries such as life sciences, genome sequencing and stuff, which it was never looked upon, let's say, 10 years ago. It was probably in, in certain industries like oil and gas, for example, right, or mathematical uh, modeling and computation. Uh, but again, looking at it holistically, now we have a chance to go ahead and maybe service the market better, and we can also get deeper. And both of them are important, because uh, you know you got to go down as deep as you can, making sure that you're looking at it up and down the stack, right from your hardware up onto the applications to management, all the way up to services side. And that's when I mean you got to go deep and make sure you covered all your bases. And I talk about the breadth because, you know, we just earlier on talked about how you can look at machine learning, deep learning, and your edge coming together with some of the examples we talked about. And that's where the breadth comes in. I think when we look at it that way, it just makes it a lot easier, I think, in the long run to service what the new, uh, you know, customer demands would be. Can you explain... Dell's hyper-converged infrastructure approach. You know, it's another promising source of growth in the enterprise market. Um, how are you guys tackling this space? There is VxRail, yes. but there is also a partnership with Nutanix. Nutanix. Um, can you explain the differences and where does each fit as you see them? See, uh, again, th this is, again, Afghanistan, this is a classic and a perfect example of the choice for the customers, right? Because we, we do believe that uh, you know, there are benefits for each. And we, we pride in our Nutanix relationship as much as we pride in our own VxRack, VxRail with the likes of, you know, VMware and Dell EMC coming together. Uh, there might be, you know, instances where, uh, you know, a customer might say, I'm already a VMware shop. I've got everything on VMware, 
right? There are customers who have chosen to go down that path, and for them, they've got maybe a site license, they already have what they need, and then they might choose to go down the path of VxRack, VxRail. We also have customers on the other side who obviously are not married to, let's say, VMware, and they want to have the flexibility and the choice that they need. And in which case, Nutanix might be the perfect fit. And I'm really proud to say that both these product lines are, I mean, are, are growing really well for us. We are very happy with the growth on both the sides. And our intention is to continue to go out and grow the business. NVMe is a hot new thing in, yes, server, it is. in server hardware. Hot because it makes it possible to use flash storage to its full potential. What's this technology's effect on the server market? NVMe is a very promising technology. Let me, let me see if I can lay this out, right? If you really look at any computer, right, from any manufacturer for that matter, uh, you know, we have different levels of dealing with, I mean, I'm, I'm using this with a broad brush of memory or you know, storing data. The fastest is probably your cache, whether it's L1 or L2 cache, right? Which is sitting close to the processor is the fastest, lowest latency, but you can't have too much of it because it's too expensive. On the other spectrum, on the far right, having you know least cost per terabyte as a measure per se or latency having the highest latency could be your hard drives right so you have caches which are fastest but expensive uh, least latency on one spectrum and the other spectrum you have your hard drives which essentially can be very less expensive i mean less cost and at the same time can have the most latency. Now, if you go through the evolution over the last few years, you'll see that you know, there are different technologies that came in, the most important being your flash technology. I mean, we've talked about like SSDs, for example, wherein they came in and you know, at a significantly uh, lower uh, latency than the hard drives, which has obviously taken up uh, a good amount of uh, uh, the demand in the last year because most customers wanted SSDs. At the same time, the price point is significantly better than, let's say, loading up your stuff with DRAM or cache, for example. We now think with the advent of NVMe, which is really non-volatile right, memory, NVMe, which is using your uh, PCIe uh, slots, the advantage of this is now you can reduce the latency further because you really don't need a, a, a driver in between because it is using a PCIe uh, lane. And at the same time, it uses our flash technology, which has matured over the last few years, as you rightly stated. Uh, so the point being that we think NVMe provides, uh, I think one of the takeoff points, as is probably one of the takeoff points for most of our customers, and even from the launch of 14G, we have seen a significant uptick in the interest from our customers looking at NVMe. So if I had to uh, provide some kind of a projection to the future, we do think that NVMe will be widely adopted uh, as we go forward in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, and which workloads uh, are we talking about? Uh, there's a variety of workloads. Uh, OLTP is a good example. Uh, even customers looking at VDI implementations are looking at NVMe. Uh, so, uh, in essence, it's got a 
uh, wide appeal uh, from from you know whether it is NVMe, I mean whether it is uh, your OLTP kind of applications to your VDI kind of applications and everything in between. So uh, I I have to believe that its adoption is going to be on a much wider spectrum uh, than what people might have thought, let's say, a couple of years ago. There are lots of potential alternatives to Intel and, S and uh, x86 that are being proposed and have been proposed for a while. Um, there seems to be lots of activity lately. Um, yeah. ARM, power, there are custom chips designed by hyperscalers. There are custom chips specifically for machine learning. Um, there is also there are startups that are making uh, chips for machine learning. Dell even invested in one recently, Graphcore. Um, how do you see this this playing out? You know, we, we, it's in the beginning very, we talked about it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. its dominance. Yes, you're absolutely right. Interesting question, Evgeny. This is the way we look at this. Uh, first and foremost, I think I'd like to take it in two uh, sections. Number one, devoid of whether it is x86, whether it is Intel or AMD, for example, or whether it is ARM, or any of, you know, you know to your point, uh, the power category. The section I think we are playing a lot of importance and interest to right now is the acceleration technologies such as FPGAs and GPUs, for example. We do think that we are now at a place wherein it is just not good enough for us to depend on the performance of your CPU, but it is now important to look at adjacent technologies and acceleration technologies that help us take the workload away from the, or take the, uh, the workload away from running on your CPU to adjacent technologies such as FPGAs or GPUs, because you actually can get to a better performance that way. And you don't want to go ahead and throttle your CPU down for things that can be offloaded to these. And, and you know, uh, so some of the examples you just talked about, like GraphCore and others, are, are adjacent technologies with existing CPUs. And when you look at lots of, uh, I mean, I think I was just reading an interesting article that said, just in Silicon Valley, uh, in the last 18 months, there have been over 250 investments in the machine learning, artificial intelligence, deep learning space. Most of them have to do in this particular market of adjacent acceleration technologies. So we continue to see that. And, and um, we do believe that as we design our new servers, we have to ensure that we bring those designs into our thinking and into our design for the new generation of servers. So that's, that's one piece. Now there's a different piece that you also talked about, which is you know, different uh, you know, processors, uh, technologies coming out, whether it is ARM. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, AMD has just announced recently with their Zen and Naples. I mean, we continuously watch that. I think yeah. it seems very interesting. And going, going down to ARM, we have uh, we've been play, watching this market quite closely for quite a few years. Uh, but I think that one of the biggest challenges we see with ARM today in the enterprise space is that we don't have an ecosystem of ISP partners. So we don't see mainstream ISV partners coming out and, and supporting, let's say, ARM. So when it comes to ARM, we do see, we would love to see it take off, we would love to see it work through pretty well. Uh, but at this time, the enterprise market is not ready 
for uh, that particular reason. Do you think it may take off faster in hyperscale since they write all their own software? That's probably its entry point. That's where I think it'll get its first leg in the door. Okay, Ravi, that's all I got. Thank you very much for your time. Hey, thanks, Ugali. This was great talking to you and appreciate the time. This episode of the Data Center Podcast is brought to you by Data Center World, the global conference for data center facilities and IT professionals. Join industry colleagues in San Antonio from March 12th to March 15th, 2018 to discover solutions to real-world data center problems. Learn more at datacenterworld.com. Again, that's datacenterworld.com.